Hello and welcome to another episode of CMO Combo, a podcast from CMO Alliance where we chat with marketing leaders and what it takes to be a great CMO in the modern day. This time we're speaking to Lin Kuei, CMO and VP of Brand at OneFlow, and we're exploring the importance of owning your superpower in your marketing career and why that might take rethinking the responsibilities of CMOs. Hi Ling, welcome to CMO Combo. How are you doing today? Hello Will, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, I'm doing really well today, thank you. How about yourself? I'm good, I'm good, and I'm very excited about this conversation as well because it's it's off the back of your inclusion in our CMOs to watch list, and it's about something you wrote in there about breaking up the CMO position, sort of dividing the responsibilities a bit because it seems that the higher you get as a marketer, you move more and more away from the marketing function, and sort of your superpower is how you described it in the report. But before we get into that, maybe you want to tell us a bit about your background and your, your role at OneFlow. Absolutely. So um, I've been working with marketing for the past 20 years and it has always been my passion. I live and breathe marketing. Um, I started off as um, had an, my own agency um, that we sell ideas to companies. And after that, I worked my way up from marketing assistant to um, right now, um, vice president of brand at OneFlow um, in technology marketing. And I've always worked with B2B marketing and realized that, um, you know, marketing is hard. It, it, it's really hard, yeah, especially with the, the amount of responsibilities that CMOs face, particularly in sort of B2B SaaS startups. Like there seems to be a lot of demands on their, on their responsibilities that they might not be familiar with. Like a lot of CMOs might have come up through sort of content routes. So they might have come up through product marketing routes and suddenly they're into like demand gen, lead gen, um, dealing with finances and stuff like that, that they might not have been trained to do. And that has got to be a problem. Um, and I think it's a problem that you highlighted in the, the Ones to Watch report. Do you want to like, explain a bit about why that you saw that as an issue and something needed to be highlighted? Absolutely. Well, um, first of all, like thank you for recognizing um, myself and the report. I really appreciate it and it allows me to discuss this topic today, which is super important um, to me. Um, one of the things that I realized is that I saw also on your website, you know, CMO tenure is like three years on average. Um, and I realized maybe that has to do with how businesses and also the profession itself being perceived um, from our peers. Is it marketing um, in terms of demand generation or is it marketing in terms of brand and storytelling? And these two roles are conflicted um, to each other. What we're trying to tell our CMO to do is really to set them up for failure. Um, and with that said, I was, when I really think a lot about this topic and really, believe me, I spend so many hours, days and months thinking about how, why is this role so conflicted? And really what we're trying to do here is to get our marketers to both run marathon and sprints at the same time. Sure, that works for you know some companies. Um, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't care about your marketer being really good at what they do, that works. And a marketer can be a generalist and be really good at both sprints and marathon, but they will never win um, 
the award. They would never win number one, you know, in each of them. So you cannot be good at everything. And so I think the marketing, the CMO profession itself um, needs to change. And I see the future of B2B marketing, especially um, to have both the chief brand officer as well as this chief marketing officer working alongside with each other um, on the same executive table. Yeah, definitely. It, make, it makes sense, uh, totally, especially in the B2B space where, where brand is becoming more and more important. Like for, for a long time, I feel a lot of B2B marketers that thought that they kind of neglect brand for a bit. But in a world of very, very targeted ads and very easily accessible data, we were able to just focus purely on demand gen. But that's changing now with the death of cookies, with the end of with the rise of GDPR and, uh, and more regulations around data control. We're not going to be able to do those kind of target ads. And that's going to mean that the brand is going to be even more important. It's going to be absolutely essential to stand out in a very, very crowded marketplace. Was that the kind of perspective that you were thinking in that respect? Or was it, or was it just in terms of like the internal like um, organizational stuff? Absolutely. I've always said like Google kills marketing um, in general. <laughs> um, I mean, sorry to say, but I mean, if you look into the ads that has been working for the past 50, you know, 40, 50 years, it's those of cult brands. They're still working today. And that is because brand has stand through the test of time. Demand generation is another field where you have, it's, it's, I mean, it's an important field as well. I just feel that our marketing at the CMO role has switched into more focus of a demand gen role. And the brand has to take a back, the back seat because obviously, you know, in business-wise, revenue is important. And I think it's that super important too. Um, but I also think it's super important for um, businesses to retain talents that are super good at what they do and not just satisfy the fact that um, we need only one chief marketing officer in our on our executive table and and obviously they will be forced to prove their worth and when you try to focus too much on sprints which is you know basically running campaigns and each and every uh, every month we will review our kpi and how much money have invested in this how much money we're getting back and we will we tend to forget that you know brand takes a longer time and has a time lag um, between proving um, the return on the investment. And so that's why I feel that, you know, on their executive seat, you know, two things, basically, one is to make sure that brand doesn't take the back seat. Number two is that the talents that we hire. So if you have a marketing team of 12 people, maybe half of them would want to be on the executive table, you know, and want to sit on uh, with the executive table at one point, but really there's no career path that they can follow to make their dreams come true. So you're either forced to learn budgeting, forecasting, so that you can become the CMO that, you know, the world wants you to become, or, I mean, if we are able to change the way we look into marketing profession today, on the sea level and that there is a career path for you and that is you know be really good at what you do which is to create the message 
um, ensure that the story is being told again and again um, in, you know, and how you fit into the position um, in the market. How do you create a category? How do you build um, a community uh, surrounding your brand? Um, how do you ensure employer branding is being taken care of, you know, not just from your people and culture team, but also like from the company level. So really, I see, you know, marketing has this creating the message, creating the strategy. And then there's another set of marketing that is distributing the message, making sure it gets to the right target audience at the right time in the right channel. And then and they're both they're both completely equally um, valuable to uh, like I, I don't think we're saying that all the demand gen and content distribution isn't going to be an important part of of a b2b company it, it is going to be important but at the same time there does need to be that focus on the long-term strategy side of things so you, it, so it's almost sort of splitting the cmo role into the tactic side the short term and the strategy side the long term so the sprints and the marathons is that what you're saying i wouldn't call it like the short term versus the long term okay. you know it's, I would say it's more, it's more about being super good at what you do. And that's what the superpower comes in. Um, if you're, if you're thinking about it, um, if your brain has to focus on, you know, both running sprints and the marathon at the same time, one of them will have to take the back seat because I mean, we're not good at thinking two things at one time, you know, you can say whatever you want about women, you know, they can, <laughs> that's not true. You, you know, each, I mean, sure, people can multitask, but each of the tasks maybe is not done as perfectly as it would have been if it wasn't a multitask, you know, and I don't believe in um, simply, you know, accomplishing a task without actually the deep work being involved. Um, I truly believe that if you have the opportunity to focus on your superpower, you can achieve mastery that no one else can take from you. And, um, you know, that goes in, back into the fact that, you know, if, you, if you're a new, new to marketing today um, and you want to understand how do I get to that C level? I mean, the first thing that people have to do is to test everything and see what is it that actually, you know, that you feel passionate about, that you feel like this is where I feel like I'm in the flow. Now I'm. What are you saying about being passionate about your work? Like that's that's incredibly important in marketing. Like to be creative with something, you have to be passionate about it. And if your career path is saying you have to learn certain things, you have to do certain things that you're not passionate about. Of course, it's work. Like sometimes you have to do things you don't like. But if your career path is shaping you into a career that you're not happy about, then you're not going to want to take that career path which means we're missing out on some very valuable creative voices in the c-suite who could be the proponents for this brand strategy well not, not even just brand strategies any type of marketing that's maybe not getting its fair shake in the in the c-suite so does that is that what it's going to be about it's about giving sort of a better route for people to the top like does it, does it start from the bottom or is there sort of like a top-down approach we can take to this I definitely think it should be a top-down approach. If you look into our, I mean, the B2C industry, actually having brand as, you know, at the top C level is, is 
it's very common. It's, it's just very uncommon in the B2B world. So if you're in the B2B world, that's where I think um, there needs to be a change in terms of, you know, as a maybe like a startup founder, um, you would want to put focus into two of these roles rather than just one CMO that will come in and tr- and you would expect that CMO to set up operations, set up campaigns, and at the same time, rebrand. I mean, that is where I think the conflict always, you know, kind of um, um, happens, which means that the brand always takes the back seat and there's always like a reverse engineer of the brand. And when, um, and the other part is, of course, I've known a lot of people that um, has been CMO and has been frustrated with the fact that I don't get to do what I really feel passionate about, rather I'm being pulled into different meetings to prove my KPI. And most of my weeks and months are spent on making sure we can track which channel attribution model, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something that is, I mean, it's very interesting too, Um, but, you know, maybe that's not something you are passionate about um, coming from the traditional marketing, you know, world and they quit, move to another company, the cycle repeats itself, they quit again, and then they will start their own agency as a brand consultant. I've known so many people um, who does that. Um, and and that's why, I mean, explains why, you know, the CMO, um, the average tenure for a CMO is just three years because it takes three years to like feel that I'm not going anywhere with this. Rather, my job is now, you know, all about working with the CFO, which is super important. I'm not, I'm not discounting the fact that you don't need to have a number oriented CMO, which is like super important. But I see like how um, as the as our technology, as the company evolves, there is a need to have, you know, both um, this the revenue focused marketeer as well as the brand content, product marketing, um, community building focused type of marketeer. And who work alongside with each other. And I'm not suggesting that they should be separate departments. I'm just suggesting that both team leads should have a voice on the management level, on the leadership level. Um, so it doesn't, you know, neither of them get the back seat. Mm-hmm. But then isn't the, isn't the danger, particularly with startups, that they just don't have the resources to have these multiple marketing leaders? Like, is it is it possible to have both in a sort of a resource poor environment like how how can you satisfy both like I think one of the reasons that they want a CMO to come in and do everything is because that's that's all they can afford at the end of the day like is it is it really a practicality to take this approach in an early stage company well again you know I'm not suggesting that you would hire two people at the same time I think it's it's a good idea to look into what the CEO or the you know the founder is good at at that point and what's what the biggest gaps is but to have to bear in mind that at some point while you scale the company um you're going to need to have two marketers with two different focus um so if the founder um at that point when you start um, um the company is really good with data operations well then yes hire a cmo who's 
really good with rebrand, storytelling, positioning, messaging. Um, and then at some point you would hire a demand gen person. Um, but you know, if it's vice versa, if the story is already there and this the founder is really good with writing, copying, messaging, positioning, then the operation focus demand gen marketer would be more important as the CMO from the beginning. So I would say, you know, like just keep in mind that, you know, the future of marketing is really need to be um, split into um, both marathon and sprint and um, campaigns and doing the longer term strategy formulator type of role. Um, but start with the one that you have the biggest pain Definitely, definitely. And so in terms of, say someone's in the CMO role right now and they're thinking, oh, this sounds good. Maybe I should suggest switching over to a chief brand officer role. They're going to need to communicate the value of that position, of course, because like, you're basically creating a new position within the company. They might have to hire a new person to step into that demand gen um, place. What is the value of stepping in, of having the voice we've, we've talked about it how great it is for marketers to have this, this voice and be able to focus on their superpowers but what, what is the value of building uh, such an emphasis of brand for, for organizations yes i i love you asked the the question um i truly believe that um love is the ultimate growth strategy for companies um and that has to do a lot with brand Right. And brand is the only asset that you cannot um, that you have control of. So companies, they don't have control of their facts, speed, quality, price. Uh, you know, any competitors can duplicate or be better at those facts. But brand, that is something that company owned. Um, the, the only thing that you have control over. And in order to create a brand that drives demand, um, companies need to look into creating a brand that people would love. And um, I always like to talk about this um, as well, like what happens when you fall in love with a brand? Really, there's um, research that shows that with love comes referral. I think it's about 54, 64% um, from McKinsey study mm -hmm. that people that actually love a B2B brand, and we're talking about B2B brand. It's not, it's just like, you know, Netflix or YouTube yeah. or whatever. It's just a B2B brand. They would, 64% of them would recommend to their friends and family. And also if we think about it, you know, one third of our buying um, um, journey actually consists of sort of brand related activities. So you would ask for referrals, ask for recommendations from your peers. Those those kind of things, you know, they're not, they're not probably, they're not probably shown in an attribution model, but you know that people are, you know, going to their friends and peers to ask for a recommendation of their tech stack, for instance. So if you're selling to sales marketing, I mean, you want to make sure that they love your brand. Um, if we want to take it, you know, to a more, a level that, um, that has to do with us as humans, you know, like we want to buy things that are brands that we choose ourselves and we don't want to be sold to. Mm -hmm. And when we love something, when you fall in love, you know, there, 
three different kinds of chemicals that happen or hormones that happen in your brain. Um, one is the adrenaline. So when you fall in love, you get adrenaline. And what does that mean? You want more of something. It's a kick. You want more of that kick. The other hormones that happen in your brain when you fall in love is oxytocin. And oxytocin is a, a hormone that is produced by mothers who are breastfeeding their babies. And that's when you kind of feel safe. That's when you feel safe. You feel like I can trust this person. I can, you know, and, and that all, all these hormones happen when you fall in love. And the third one would be dopamine. And dopamine is a hormone that allows you to store memory long-term, which means that you remember. So to summarize, if you fall in love with a brand, you would want more of it. You would feel safe. You can trust them. And also you remember them. So if you need something, if your brand is there, even though it doesn't hit the first time, maybe on the eighth time, and, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm ready to buy, then your job as a brand marketer is to make sure that you know, they remember you. So yeah. that's why I, I truly believe that you know, creating a, you know, a brand that actually drives demand and growth for the company equals creating a brand that people love. It's a it's a really beautiful answer. I really like that link. That was that was absolutely lovely. I think I think it hits the nail on the head because there's and there's so much evidence out there of how how strong that is now, uh, particularly in um, recent years. Like there's many many B two B startups and brands that are taking sort of this brand first approach, and it's it's really paying off for them. You know, I know I know you're a big fan of Gong. I'm a big fan of Gong as a brand. <laughs> like it's absolutely incredible what UD's done there, building the brand. Like they had their their first Super Bowl ad at the weekend. Um, yeah, and it's, it's because people love that brand so much. They've grown so much. They built this um, awesome brand, this awesome community to build around. It's because UD's been given the freedom to build that kind of brand. And maybe that's what we need more in B2B by, by giving this, splitting up the, the CMO role by giving someone the, the power to actually take a brand and run with it and create a really, really strong brand from an early stage as well. I mean, it, it gives yeah it gives people a chance to fall in love early on and I, I think that's a really really nice way of thinking about it yeah. <laughs> Sorry, i'm tearing up a bit here <laughs> no really thank you but also with gang I, I mean it's a great example um i mean they're not just creating a brand that people love but people love them it's also because they're teaching us something so really it's not just a fluffy pink cloud type of thing like we just have to re always remember that it's all also about educating giving insights giving value so if you look into their content right it's always data backed it's it's nothing that they just like write on top of, you know, from anything. It's really data back. It's data from their research lab and all the content, com content are producer. Um, and the thing is, if you have started building this, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gong. I'm a big fan of um, Udi, who's the CMO there. Um, I'm so proud to be in the same lineup as him as well. So it's like super starstruck. But anyway. Um, if you think about their head of content, for instance, right? And um, where would he go as a career path? I'm not saying like we're trying to steal him or anything like that. No, but I'm just saying like, where will his career path go? Maybe he would probably change job at some point of time um, because maybe he will be aiming to become the CMO one day because he wants to have more influence in the company as he grows. But I don't know, maybe he's like this unicorn that loves doing what he does 
and it would stay there forever. But I think human has, you know, need to be recognized and to have a bigger influence, leaving a legacy. And, and, and one way to look into it is to climb the career ladder. And that's where I think the CBO role would encourage young marketeers who's really good at, you know, content, brand, and product marketing. That's where you can grow. That's where you can be. And that, that should be your North Star. Um, because if you were to move to CMO, well, this is, these are the stuff that you need to fulfill before you can actually become a true rock star CMO. Um, so I think that, that, you know, that is an example of, you know, why I feel the importance of having this, you know, opportunity in order to, you know, not only retain your best marketeers, but also to normalize um, the fact that marketing is not just about attribution yeah definitely and, and i could see it developing more as, the, as as companies mature maybe the c-suite gets more developed in, a, in an organization you could have it evolve into different forms so you could have um i know particularly in b2c there are things like chief storytelling officer and stuff like yeah. that like chief of story and that could be a route for a, a, a head of content to go but i think focus now let's let's get the cmo and the cbo um roles up and running because it, it sounds like a really really good approach it's certainly something that from my perspective as a marketer i, I maybe wouldn't want to be a cmo because it is so much about attribution at the moment but as a chief brand officer that's something i could be very interested in and i know awesome. there's many other officers um there's, there's many other marketers as well I, I know you've had great feedback on this like when you presented it in the the ones to watch list so it's definitely something that our audience is in, interested in it's definitely something that's on their mind so um I, so i think just to maybe just to sum it up what would you say to somebody who is looking to climb the career ladder but isn't sure about taking the CMO route or maybe someone who's in the CMO role and is thinking maybe I want to shift shift to a different track kind of thing with that like what would you, what would your main piece of advice be to them Lee? right so there's two things one if you're a young marketer um, what I would advise is to test everything but when you test everything, make sure it's a step, you know, it's a phase one, phase two, phase three approach. Make sure when you test, when you try out something new, um, go deep. And you will hit a point where you feel like, oh gosh, I don't like go deep into this topic. Then move on to the next topic, SEO. Maybe the first one would be like paid campaigns. Oh, that's cool. Um, but not so much. Okay, I'll move to SEO. Oh, that's really cool. Like, at some point, you will reach a point where you feel like, I keep thinking about this all the time, even though when I'm sleeping, I will look for, for podcasts that I will listen to and go deep and master the topic completely. And that's how you find your superpower. And from there, you will know where you want to go. And for existing CMO roles, I think like if you feel like, oh, I need to, I, I don't like what I'm doing, but I love my company and I need to change my um, passion but I don't want to go down and um, being demoted you know and what you need to do is just ask simple if they don't give you that change job <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that I think that's that's great that's one of the best advice I think that's come out of the last few years that if you're not happy with your role there are other roles out there the great resignation is not just about people at junior level jobs it applies all the way up to, to the sweet sweet c-suite like if you're if you're not happy in your role there's other roles out there like it's, you don't have to 
slave away at something that isn't your your passion and i think that's a great message to to end this on link like find your passion and if you need to go elsewhere to find your passion it, it's out there um so yeah. thank you very much for for joining us today link uh, it's been a it's been a great conversation and i want to thank our audience to list, uh, for listening as well i'm sure they've enjoyed it as well um and we'll be back soon with another cmo combo thank you